0: Hello, my name is Cassandra, designer on Diesel, Cryptids, Inc., and DM's Guild author, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk.
1: This week, Morris has the week off, so Peter and Jessica are on their own to talk about algorithmically generated art in RPGs. In the news, the 1D&D playtest is already larger than D&D Next, fandom sells Cortex RPG to Direwolf Digital, new miniatures coming from WizKids, a Sideshow Collectibles Tiamat statue, controversy surrounding Spelljammer, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the horror of getting players to try a new system, this week on Morse's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. Today's podcast isn't sponsored by anyone, because apparently I have a bad attitude. Me? A bad attitude? I'll tell you who has a bad attitude. All of you. But that wouldn't be a problem after I complete my plan for worldwide domination. Now, where did I put my to-do list? All oh, the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial. Tabletop RPG.
0: Good afternoon. You're listening to Morris' unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Here today is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers, with Russ Morrissey, in absent, without leave. It is shocking. Fortunately. Fortunately. It is not just I and my 15-minute podcast hosting goodness that you have to contend with. We have... Because it is a we. We're, we're a team here. We have... It's the truly fantastic, the fabulous, the dungarees wearing the fawn... Person who's going to lead us to a glorious tabletop revolution It is...
2: its me, Jessica from EM Publishing. I wasn't prepared for any of that, Peter. I asked you to do the intro because you go before me, and I wasn't—I wasn't ready for that. I was—I didn't know what I expected. I was like, Russ isn't here, <laughs> Peter will, will. I feel like you panicked a bit. Is that what happened?
0: I did lose a certain amount of my thread on what I was saying. <laughs> But that's okay. Has people know that has never stopped me from talking before?
2: No, and it shouldn't, and that's why you're a great person to do a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, we haven't got Russ here this week. I've still got oh. this lovely cough, cold thing that isn't COVID, so this this will be a great episode. <laughs> <everyone>. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's going to be great, Peter. I,
0: I I'm looking forward to it.
2: Should we yes. start by doing the awfully cheerful question?
0: that is an extraordinary idea we should it's time for the awfully cheerful question
1: if you have a question tag us on the socials with hashtag awfully cheerful question or email us at morrispodcast at gmail.com if we answer it we'll send you a free book a free book they're far too generous that's what I say
0: do we okay. have an awfully cheerful question?
2: I do. What? Okay. Let's go. So this week's awfully cheerful question is from Art Leon. Hey, Art. From the internet. Uh, and they say, hey, gang, love the show, although I kind of miss the weekly guests. That's fair. We haven't had any for a while. Uh, the addition of Jessica makes it worth it, though, so that's mostly why this one was chosen. Uh, and uh, But anyway, answer the question. No. How do you prefer your gaming books? Physical or PDF and why? If you use both, can you explain under which conditions you use each? If your preference has changed over the years? Yeah, that's kind of the question. And they talk about how they like to to use books or PDFs. So, Peter, books or PDFs?
0: Um, I am going to have to come down in favour of both. Mm. Uh, It's essentially because having an actual physical copy of a book in my hands is very pleasing to me. I yes. am quite a bibliophile, and that's actually my secret thing that people don't realise is the source of May or my actual powers, is that I'm actually a book geek, not an RPG geek. Ah, okay. So, like, why does Peter know random stuff about this bizarre subject that no one could possibly know about? They've books. read it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, um, so, yeah, books are very important to me. I have many, many books. But in terms of role-playing games, uh, I find PDFs to also be... Absolutely fantastic and pretty essential, really, especially if you're doing anything to do with the mechanics, because yeah. indexing is very important. I'm a big fan of it. But you know what? Control find.
2: Oh, uh, right? yes.
0: <laughs> Control find is very much my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, that lets me find stuff where I can't quite remember where I'm looking. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and also, I like having things like a, a website, where I could, which I can also search for as well. Um, all of these things are essential. I think it's like it's good to have, you know, uh, multiple options. It depends what you're doing. So it's like, you know, old-fashioned books, absolutely bang on. It's great. But sometimes not all role-playing game books are created equal. I recall specifically in Death Watch to find out what a Thunderhammer and Storm Shield did, which is not like a completely wild and unheard of combination. You had to look in four separate places only two of which were indexed. It was ridiculous.
2: That sounds like a wild ride. Um, I think I, I think <laughs> I, and indexing. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of exciting, people. We are. I, yeah. I, I, agree with you. I think both really because it depends what I'm doing. Mm. Like recently, I started my um level up campaign, uh, and it was the first mm. one I'd done. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to spend an evening and I'm going to go through the Adventurer's guide and sit down with it. So I sat on the sofa mm. and like kind of read through it, reading all the classes and stuff to. Oh. Get a feel of what I wanted. Um, mm. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do these things. But then, like you say, mm. when I was looking at specific rules, so when I was deciding mm. particular spells or bits and pieces like that, I use the PDF because mm. Control-F, like you say, it's so much easier to find stuff. So I think both is good. Mm. And also you mentioned online tools, a5e.com. Mm. So loved love mm. that as well.
0: It is very nice.
2: But yeah, so I think both. So I think that answers... Mm the question art and they've they did ask if your preference has changed over the years i generally would say i used to have more pdfs because they were cheaper mm-hmm. and so it's easier to get you know if you want to try out a new system on a kickstarter campaign but you're not sure if it's for you i'd usually be like oh i'll back the pdf and then i'll because i can get a vibe and see if i like it mm-hmm. so i used to have loads more pdfs but now i kind of invest in books a bit more because i have a big bookshelf oh, oh yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the three dollar yeah. pdfs on drive through rpg they're yeah. very, very snacky. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll just get I'll just get exactly. one more. Exactly.
2: Oh. So generally I'll buy books now because I know I'm going to like them because I've been hmm. gaming for about a decade, so I kind of know what I like. But I think when you're oh, first starting on RPGs, getting loads of little PDFs is probably more, you know, better for your bank yeah. balance than buying all <laughs> these big books and being like, oh, actually, I oh. don't like this. Great, there's but, uh, 50 quid gone.
0: Yeah, uh, well, indeed, indeed. Oh, certainly when I was starting out, I didn't own any books. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I had was friends. I uh, borrowed their books.
1: <laughs> Same.
2: So I'd buy the PDF so at home I can make my character or read oh. up about it so you not know I'm doing before I got to the table. But then we generally have like one book on the table that we'd use during the yeah. kind of session as well. But I did that with my D&D books so I never bought an actual D&D book. Yeah, fair enough. I've got one copy of the, the Player's Handbook which is on my shelf which is given to me by, free, by a friend. Oh. They're like, I've got a spare one. There you go. You can have it. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean...
0: Yeah.
2: I buy uh, lots of indie publisher games, though, as you can see behind me. Mm.
0: So, oh, and, absolutely.
2: And I'm fine with that. bad. <laughs> hey, okay, yeah. uh, hopefully we answered your question. So the answer for both of us is both, because why not yes. both?
0: <laughs> Porque no Hey. Anyway, <laughs> should we do some news?
2: Yes. What news do you have? What news, Peter? Uh,
0: I don't think the podcast is, is ready for the level of horror that I have seen. So <laughs> possibly we could talk about something... Something that d D&D related first.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. So I'll skip on. So, um, yeah, so I'll talk about the Cortex uh, system. Ooh. So okay, Fandom that's... is selling the Cortex role-playing game to Direwolf Digital.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, Direwolf. Sorry, uh, I was just thinking... No, I'm thinking of Overwolf. My bad. Please continue.
2: No, no worries. Um, so p- pretty much Fandom are kind of leaving tabletop uh, RPG business which they've, they've announced so this isn't like a shop news thing because uh, oh, yeah. they they sold DD Beyond so I think they're like you know what we're moving we're going to focus on, on different things now um, but they've also got some awesome stuff and things so they're kind of moving them off to other awesome people um, so uh, the person the designer Cam Banks um, yes. who is the creative director is moving to Die Wolf so they're staying on the project so oh. they're still gonna expand the the Tales of Xandia RPG Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's going to do quite well because they've got the uh, Dragon Prince Netflix show coming out, which is linked to. Yes. Which is part of that. So it makes sense that they're not like dropping that RPG completely.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, so that's kind of going on there. Uh, but Wolf, they mm-hmm. kind of make tabletop games. So Clank, if you heard of that board yeah. game. I haven't. Oh, it's, it's a good board game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Only- <laughs> now what about it now? <laughs> And um, they did Dune Imperium oh, card game. Yes.
0: I Dune Imperium, I really liked. I played that the other weekend. And that was actually really good fun.
2: Yep. Uh, and so they do, yeah, so they do loads of stuff like that. So then they do video games, uh, versions of board games as well.
0: Mm. So they're gamey Wins people. Wings of Glory, Root, yeah.
2: Exactly. Um, but yeah, so they're taking on the, you know, the Cortex RPG stuff, so... That's fun, So it will yeah. probably remain like the same. I don't mean imagine they're making any big changes announced. It's just there'll be a different mm. logo on your books. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting for the industry that's going. So there's some non D and D news for you.
0: Excellent. Yes. yes.
2: Can I tell you about some D and D adjacent things that aren't from Wizards of the Coast? How about that? Can I?
0: Oh, I am. I am excited by this concept. Don't okay. Remember.
2: So what well, accessories?
0: Ooh.
2: So are you a fan of a displacer beast? Do you like displacer beasts?
0: Vanishing Murder Kitties, who isn't a fan of Vanishing Murder Kitties?
2: I thought so. Well, yeah. you can get a pre-painted miniature of one, Peter, should you so Ooh. wish, in February
0: 2023. Ah. Uh, I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> no, but WizKids, they've announced they're doing uh, their D&D Classics collection. They're expanding that uh, with pre-painted Ooh. minis, which I'm a big fan of because I will not Ooh. sit and paint minis because I don't have the skill or patience. But yeah, so it's got loads of different... So it's got the displays of beasts, which I think is really cool. Um mm-hmm. Because There's just like this terrifying tentacled stabby cat thing, yes, which is awesome. Uh, which the, isn't
0: where you think it is, that is, it's that's why it's a displacer beast. That makes I sense. That makes yeah. sense.
2: Other models they have in there as well. They have the doppel, doppelganger, a free tea. Oh,
0: I got that completely wrong. They're challenge rating three, so probably a bit more. Oh, true
2: okay, true. a bit more. True. I'm it's
0: thinking about one going to an or a bear owl, a
2: bear owl, if you will. Yes. yes, as discussed last week, yeah, but they've got doppelgangers, a free teas, various elementals, mm. the ones you'd expect, you know. Earth, uh, uh, fire, water, yeah, mm. and uh, an Etin. Oh, ah. I'm not well, sure what etin- an is. What, what's an Etin?
0: It's a two-headed ogre.
2: Okay, fair enough. There we go. There's my <laughs> there's my D <D&D> and D knowledge showing. <laughs> the thing is, I've only been I D and D. I didn't play it until after six years of me playing different role playing games. So I didn't yeah. start with it, and every game I've played has been a homebrew campaign. So I haven't gone mm. through like any of the the settings and the laws. So. Oh yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I don't it's know. It's
0: just. You pick up these things when you're in you run models. You do. Yeah.
2: But yeah. So the pre-painted minis, are getting all these cool like classic D and D monsters, um, and then they, it's called Monsters D to F box set. And then they're doing
0: other mm. monster
2: box sets, like for example A to C, as one would expect, going through the alphabet ah. in that way. Um, so yeah, so there's loads of loads of different stuff kind of coming out, and they're coming out kind of next year in February and August 2023. So mm. if you are like me and don't want to paint your minis but want little monsters, you can get that.
0: Well, I mean, D has. Devils, demons, dragons, and dinosaurs.
2: Oh, my. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it's a lot. I mean, the the set is like $90, but you do get, you know, a fair few minis minis in, and they're pre-painted. Yeah, Yeah, but Mm. it is a bit... But if you're like, wow, Jess, uh, $90 is chump change for me. I am very rich which is I know what you're thinking Peter
0: if, if that is you then mm-hmm. please consider donating to our patron oh, please consider support. supporting this podcast yes
2: or oh, please consider yeah. supporting the Dungeon Devil's Guide now currently live on Kickstarter um, <laughs> little plug there uh, but anyway <laughs> the uh, we'll come back to that um, yeah. but if yeah if you feel like that's chump change $90 I want to spend closer to two grand on my models yeah which is, I know what okay. you were thinking, Peter.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that.
2: There is a collector's edition of a Tiamat statue. They've not called it a mini because they oh, said ooh. it's a statue because yes. it is about 28 inches high and has a wingspan Good, yeah. of 31 inches. But it looks awesome. Have you seen the picture of it?
0: I have not.
2: Okay, let me send that to 31 you. 31
0: inches. That's shy of a metre across. and So I don't know, it's about, what, about 67 by ca- 90 centimetres, if you're listening in metric.
2: You cannot call this a mini. I was going to segue by saying, speaking of miniatures, but I was like, no, this is not a mini.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like half no. the size of a person. Like they've, but yeah. So it's serious, and they have. And if you're like two cool. grand, just shy. Looks, so it's the, the the basic one is nine one thousand nine hundred eighty dollars.
0: I, I I mean, it's very practical as well. You could use it to turn your keys off. Yeah. Um. Also, a handy tie or jewelry stand.
2: Yeah, but for over two yeah, thousand uh, dollars, you can get ones that add lights to each of the heads. So, right.
0: So right, could also right. be
2: uh, a lamp.
0: <laughs> you can't put a price on this sort of fashion. Yes, you, that's, that's you can,
2: and the price is two thousand one hundred and
0: forty-five dollars. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so
2: yeah, so that exists. If you want that, I don't.
0: You could have a used car, or you could have. A <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'll be purchasing this this mess myself. I don't think it's um.
0: Maybe I'll see about Christmas, eh?
2: Hey? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it would go in Maybe my house. That's, yeah. like, larger than my dog. I was just... Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just thinking. I was looking at it. I was like, that's... How that's, terrifying. That's, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. I. But, yeah. It, that exists, and that's the thing that's coming out. So, yes. Yeah, so you can pre-order it now. Uh, uh, but it comes out April or June next year. So... Because yeah, yeah. I imagine they make them, like custom in some way. They must have some moulds to make most of it and then hand finish some of it because it looks...
0: It's very, very large. Mm. Uh, yeah. How and much it would You shi- your room code. How much would shipping cost? Yeah, Ooh. I was
2: thinking that. Like, Do it's... ship
0: to the UK? Seems unlikely. but well, okay. possible. Sure, why not?
2: But anyway, uh, so yeah. So it's not yes. really a mini, but that is... But yeah, so, from WizKids. So that... so good. 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 Oh, no, it's not from WizKids. This one is from huh? uh, an entertainment collectible company called Sideshow.
0: Sideshow. Okay. Well, uh, so they I'll they special. They
2: specialise in making like collectible statues opposed to minis. So the it's meant to be like really high quality. So it is Yeah. This is a display piece, so. Maybe if you're really rich and you have like a D and D room and it's all themed and stuff, this would be the kind of thing you'd have in there. Yeah,
0: yeah Absolutely.
2: Maybe one day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is oh, some dear, of man.
2: my D and D adjacent news yes. for you, Peter.
0: Yeah, yeah. Has
2: anything else caught your eye? In the- uh,
0: well, do you we want to talk about spelljammer? Do you want to talk about the Hadoozy? Because I sort of really don't, but on the other hand, I feel like we should sort of observe.
2: Yeah, I kind the of
0: of what yes, happens. Yes, yeah, Wow, wow, So,
2: wow. so to summarise it, yes. In the basic version, before we get into yeah. it, so Wizard yeah. of the Coast um, announced their one D and D playtest. Yes. Documents, so they put it out, and they're like, hey. Look at this, see what you think. Um, and then they've got a survey open. that's open until September 15th, so people can take a look at it and mm-hmm. um, do things uh, yeah, like that for one one D&D, and people are kind of commenting on that. So that is the other bit of D&D news we had kind of this week. And their official D&D Twitter account, so that the first week they had more downloads of this just first playtest document than the entire run of all the fifth mm. edition playtest documents.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I haven't actually seen that because... My feed has been completely blacked out uh for D and D related news by these um
2: Yes, and I thought we could segue yourself on yourself. to that next. So would you yeah, yeah. you like to introduce that bit, Peter? I
0: oh, I I feel quite unprepared that I'm not able to comment on the D documents. Uh hopefully D&D next D&D week I'll test. Be, the one D D playtest. Yes, hopefully next week I'll be able to talk about that. Um but yes, uh, Oh goodness. Um so we talked about the Hodoozy on the podcast before. They're sort of a like Flying squirrel slash monkeys, but has a sapient species. Yeah. So, with Spelljammer, wizards decided to drop some lore. Wow, yeah. Uh, so, the very basic gist uh, of it is that they were a um, non-sentient, non-sapient species that were raised up to become essentially a slave race mm-hmm. by a wizard. Eventually, they became smart enough to kill and being enslaved. It wasn't such a bad deal because they, uh, they they got intelligence and stuff afterwards.
2: That was that was the frame that Wizards put into it. This is not Peter's take on it, just to clarify yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: They're, they're, I, 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 this is me just trying to tell, say... Describe the law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for, fortunately, as British people, we're well versed in um, colonialist framings which say that actually yeah. invading and enslaving people was good, actually. Uh, and it yeah. helped civilise them. Mm. Uh, so we, that, that's the propaganda we've all been praised with, and we're like, mm. actually, wait, 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 wait. perhaps not. Perhaps um, the sort of propaganda that is put forward, the white supremacist propaganda that's been put forward by by a uh, slave states, is not a good thing to have. Yeah. Reproduced in 2022, it's it's I it's think a
2: it's, also... it's a hard
0: gaff to explain, Jessica. It's a hard it is. I think
2: also because they they don't they say they're, they now work on ships with elves, who but the elves yes. kind of look down on them as a lesser race and don't really approve of them, but they let them work underneath them as like their yeah, minions, yeah. and they're happy that way. It just,
0: I... <clears throat> there, there, There's also things like some of the art, they have a literal minstrel, Eve, They've, they so... Yeah,
2: they've used some, and yeah, it's, I've, I've I, seen... I know,
0: I know they're trying to be a bard, that's clearly the intent, but that's yeah. not what's been produced um i i I think they've amended it online and so forth, but mm-hmm. quite quite it's the sort of thing right which you've got a multi billion dollar company behind you mm-hmm. spring for some sensitivity readers and maybe pay attention to them yeah i mean that it's like I cannot imagine a studio in good faith doing that and thinking it was okay. In the UK, I mean, maybe there are maybe there are people who will do it, and they're like, "Ho ho, this will get us publicity." I
2: mean, yeah, there'll be some edge lords that do things like that, you know. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. But but we, we we sort of expect the market leader, the people who have like ninety percent, eighty, ninety percent of the market, to not yeah to 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 actually have some care
2: yeah. for the damage
0: that they can and have done yes yeah. it's it's just been horrendous, so yeah,
2: I think it's just like that's a theme that has yeah, like you say it's so baked in kind of kind of colonial oppressive kind of themes, and I get, and some people and I was saying, oh, but like spelljammer's like an existing setting, so they were trying to to they were just like doing that, and that's of its time, and it's like, yeah, but. You could easily the edit it.
0: Seventies,
2: <laughs> yeah, but the seventies not great as well. It's not
0: that long ago. Yeah, but and like it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't okay then either.
2: Uh, yeah, it wasn't okay then. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. that, but uh, so as yeah. people have been saying that, but I also think mm. that it would be so easy to just edit it to not have that bit. In. Yeah. So you can yeah. still have those races, but maybe just yeah. make it less that they were a sub. You, they could have just been a sentient yeah. race on their planet they- doing their thing, and yeah. then they discovered.
0: Space like travel. rocked up, and they were like, oh, this, this is, is awesome. cool. We'll, we want to
2: join your and ship. And people yeah. were like,
0: you, you dudes can fly? Yeah. Yes. Come, come aboard. Do do work for us. And yeah. then, like, maybe you could reframe it. Maybe they're like yeah. economic migrants who are looking to send money back home to their families, which would put a different spin on it. And it's like, you know, how they're looking to better their lot in the world. You could do things with it. And maybe you're going over a place, but what you're not doing is you're not basically repeating white supremacist myths and propaganda. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. I, I can see this. I'm like middle aged white person. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those yeah. things sometimes where it shows why you need to have different people in the room when you're creating Because I yeah. I don't imagine the person that, that, that did this was sitting there nefariously going, ha, I'm going to do this. I think it was just complete thoughtlessness and didn't think about it because they didn't have that perspective. So I, I
0: mean, sure, if it's the first time you do it, that's okay. But if you have to keep on apologising mm-hmm. and keep on sending out apologies, yeah. it looks like you don't have a one-off incident. You've got a systematic structural error. You've got a problem with your decision makers. And yeah. that people are not allowed to contradict it. I don't know, that's that's that that's what it looks like to me. But I, I, I don't I don't work for Wizards Ghost, never have and I can guarantee after this podcast, never will.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. But yeah, so some people have been reacting to Spelljammer in that mm. way and making comments like that. Um, and I would say, like, if if you have a look online and listen to perhaps um, content creators and people of color to, mm. to the, for their take on it, I think that'll probably be a bit no. more insightful and be a bit more meaningful. Probably the, myself or Peter can contribute as sitting, oh, here, sitting here as two white British people
0: for thoroughly for really recommend Personal Color Gamer, Graham Barber, uh, who I believe tweets has Panzer Lion and um, Umbral Knight as well, who uh, I, what, I don't even know their real name. They just write really interesting, really clever and thoughtful things.
2: Just just someone you know via Twitter Stephen, opposed to real life. Uh,
0: Stephen H., they're an RPG scholar and a university lecturer. There we go. So they have a, they, they've also got extremely... Nuanced, thoughtful analyses of these things and why it is a problem. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: so if you'd like to hear more about that, not from us, uh, yeah. go check them out. I'd say. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
2: Are we done talking about Spelljammer then?
0: Oh, I'm so done. Okay, about great.
2: okay, great. Okay, uh, great. Let's well, move on. I, I,
0: appa- apparently, it would be nice. I am told if they had rules for the spelljammers, like the actual ships that you fly around.
2: Yeah, I.
0: I, I hear that would be good in a game called Spelljammer. But apparently, that's not. A thing, I was so, surprised
2: yeah. by that as well. But I think it's because, in fairness, mm. it's very it's very hard to do well. And I say yeah. this as should I? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Hey, Russ, is here, Russ is not here. to stop me and do it. So, yeah. so we the upcoming book we have the Void yeah. Runners Codex, um, which Ooh. will be coming out next year, has rules for ship to ship combat in it that we're writing nice. and making, Ooh. and we're going to be doing some playtesting on that because it is. Is a new kind of a difficult thing to do, like and to do it well, yeah. and so that's why we're going yeah. to be we're going to be investing a lot in playtesting. So as I mentioned before, we'll be putting information about that how you can get on world if you want yeah. to. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so if you were disappointed that Spelljammer didn't have that in, we're going to try and do that. We were planning to do that in the Voidrunners Codex for that well, yeah,
0: for that thing as well, which will be released sometime next year. In mm-hmm. the meantime, if you would like to say, I don't know, use the Cloud Galleons from Advanced Fifth Edition, which do actually have rules for it, has a default which are also included in the System Reference Document. So if you want to develop your own, you absolutely can, and I would say should. <laughs> and tell them commercially, that's fine. My Kickstarter happens to deal with. Oh, I don't know, magic vehicles, so
2: just a little bit.
0: Just <laughs> uh, yes, I I mean that is well what if by land two if by sea, three if by air? It's like, yeah, um, I'm very pleased with some of the stuff that's just falling out naturally from thinking about it and producing mm. it. So yeah.
2: But moving on yeah. from Spelljammer, mm. Dragon Honestly. I'm not sure if you're aware of Dragonlance. Do you know but... No.
0: <laughs> it it, it rings bells. I haven't heard that thing in such a long time.
2: <laughs> so, Dragonlance. Yes. Uh, Ultra Plural have announced they're doing a licensed range of products uh, for the
0: game. Oh, this minis and stuff?
2: Not minis. Other accessories. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. So it comes and it's all organization stuff, which I was excited about because I'm just kind of like Ooh. this. So it's Ultra Plur, So they're doing a nice kind of uh, mat, like a gaming mat. And if anyone's played, nice. if anyone's played like Magic the Gathering or that sort of thing, you'll know the, the mm.
0: sort of. Oh, that's sort of like the uh, nice fabric mat. Is it called neoprene? Neoprene?
2: Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, 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 let's sure. say it confidently. We'll call it neoprene. not are yeah, wrong. wrong. It's that, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they've got like, a neoprene mat with a nice uh, really artwork on it as well. Uh, there's like a wall hanging to go on the wall, which is, it looks like a. Um, mm. It looks more like a, a, a scroll sort of fab- Silky, it is a se- silky fabric hanging. Uh, thing with a rod what's it called what are those called a banner a, b- banner?
0: a drape um, i feel I there's know.
2: a specific word that begins with...
0: tapestry
2: T- tapestry no. that's the one tapestry? yeah okay. there's a hanging tapestry blah, 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 you can have gosh this is going on. Well. uh that it has for that and they've also yeah. got um a character folio which mm. has got empty sleeves inside so, some are for like A4 sheets, so you can have your character things in there. It's also got like little card slots, so you could have your, your spells Ooh. and things in there. Um, so, it's just like a fun organization folder for your character, for your Dragonlance games. And I love Ooh. a bit of fun organization. So, that seemed really. <laughs> so, uh, I. Organized I, fun is
0: the best sort of fun. It That's our manifesto.
2: <laughs> Woo! But no, I, I love a bit of station organizing. So, this. Uh, so, and it's, it's from Ultra Pro, so you know, it'll be good quality stuff. And it's mm. the official Wizards of the Coaster for Dragonlance. Um, nice. And it's coming out in December 2022. So could be a great Christmas for any Dragonlance mm. fans.
0: Well, if it releases over here in time, yeah.
2: Well, yeah, that's true. But, like, that's... It that's that's it not in our
0: hands. It's in the hands of the shipping gods. It is. Burn it's your to do offerings.
2: Pro. But, yeah, it's scheduled for a December 2022 release. So, you know.
0: Okay. Yeah. Fingers crossed.
2: And that's kind of my... Maybe
0: we'll be able to afford it rather than having to burn it to keep warm. And Either.
2: I ha- and I have one more piece of accessory news as well.
0: Ah, tell me more.
2: I- and it's Pathfinder accessories. No. I don't know much about Pathfinder because I've not played it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, Paizo announced a partnership uh, with Savage Sparrow Studios for a clothing line, which is Pathfinder. You can theme. get
0: Pathfinder clothing? Exactly.
2: So there's a line called Kit and Kabumo, Um
0: hey! and it's
2: celebrating the goblins. In Pathfinder. Nice. Uh, and they have described their clothing line as being featuring peak chaos and epic explosions. Uh, yeah, and they've got I loads of stuff. To,
0: I need to see this, Jessica. I need it's to see coming
2: it. out... To, well, if you need to see it, if you go that to PAX West... Is. PAX West. You can go to booth TT7304 to get a sneak preview in person. Uh, and then after that, it's going to officially launch on Kickstarter. Okay. And so we'll put the link... They've already got their kind of notify me page up. Um, so we'll put the link to that in the show notes. But yeah, so they, they are doing... A whole load of different, you know, different things. They've got dresses, which have pockets. Uh, They've got T-shirts, hoodies, enamel pins. So it's like a whole load of clothing lines featured around, like, goblins and Pathfinder stuff. So I think that's pretty cool. And I appreciate the dresses have pockets. of course. course. Whenever I see any geek culture um, clothing lines, which there are a few coming out, they are always really good because they're usually based around sustainability. And they let, yes. you know, they let skirts and dresses have pockets, which historically they have not. Because yeah. they're aware that people that game that wear, you know, skirts and dresses, we like to carry a lot of dice with us. So we need pockets.
0: Where are you supposed to put this? Exactly. Exactly.
2: exactly. So um what I love that. if you want to
0: carry some snacks with you? Hey? Hey? Yeah, for like How for any that? reason,
2: for any yeah. reason. But yeah, so uh so that looks really cool as well. So um I might have a look at that. Even though I don't play Pathfinder, I think I quite like having Geek. Clothing for when I go to conventions because yes. it kind of shares your fandom with people. Like, if you go to a big convention mm. like Gen Con, you've got lots of different flavors of nerd there. Mm. Uh, so, sometimes it's nice to wear something that's like, I'm this flavor of nerd. So, that same flavor yes. of nerd can come over and be like, hello, we like the same nerd thing. And you're like, let's be nerds together.
0: To let people know your tribe. Exactly, Absolutely.
2: exactly. So, I do like things like that. So, um, so that's coming out yeah. So, all the accessories in the news this week. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm sure Pathfinder can be quite good fun. Pathfinder 2nd edition definitely looks like it's uh, a good time. There's a lot of brilliant design in that game. Okay?
2: I think that's what it's inspired by, really. It yeah. doesn't say which. It just says Pathfinder, so maybe it's just in Pathfinder. Hmm. It just says Pathfinder, yeah. but it looks very cool.
0: I, If only I could see it. Hang on, we should move on.
2: We should move on. That's kind of all my accessory news.
0: Ooh.
2: I have really...
0: Dun, dun, dun. Anything happening in the world of Egg Emery's fantastic work and Kickstarters? Yes.
2: Mark? Yes. So, talking about the Doctor Who role playing game. Uh, and this isn't oh, the 5e yes. version. This is the Doctor Who second edition by Cubicle 7 with the Vortex system. Yes. yes. They're doing another print run of this, I believe. So, it's not no, new kind of print news. So, they're doing a collector's edition uh, of it, which has a special wraparound cover image of the TARDIS console room console room Mm -hmm. and also it has rules in it which i didn't realize that you could create your own tardis or other time traveling device oh which i didn't know was in the game i don't know if this is a new thing or it's um
0: always been there i've only played one game or first edition which was heavily hacked quite some time ago well this is second
2: edition this is new this is second second edition
0: it's all new, now with TARDIS rules. Yes. Or maybe it had them. We don't
2: know. Yeah, so that, so that was really cool. And the collector's edition uh, looks very pretty as well. Uh, mm. And it's got like a, a nice ribbons in the book and things, which are the colour of the TARDIS mm-hmm. and all this Ribbon. stuff. So that, so that's, um, that's out, which I think is very nice. And I know we've had the 5e version of Doctor Who recently, but I just think the Vortex system is kind of better for playing Doctor Who. Not that yeah. I've played the 5e version, but just from my... My initial prejudices about it, I guess. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> and
2: I know I know the five year rules of it have been edited a bit to make it work and yada yada yada. but I just think the Vortex system was like made to do this and I just I just think
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's like core mechanics mm-hmm. are useful and can be flexible, but ultimately often a better experience can be achieved with a designed rule set. It just depends upon your values and what you want out of the game. There's a lot of different tools out there. A lot of different tools.
2: Exactly. So, you know. And I'm sure you can make things work with other stuff. Like, you know, like you say, mm. you can use a screwdriver to hammer in a nail if you really need to. But hmm. if you use a hammer, you're just like, oh, this this is quite good. actually. <laughs> have any Kickstarters caught your eye? I have one that I can talk about.
0: Oh, well, the Dungeon Delvers Guide has been kicking off with great success. <laughs> uh, <and Yeah>. uh, <laughs> is that your one? I'm sorry. It wasn't actually the one I was <laughs> going to mention, but okay. I feel I talked oh, about well, it last week. We- uh, what's, uh, what's been in your mind?
2: Well, this week we launched the Dungeon Devil's Guide, which we talked about in yeah. detail last week, so I don't want to talk about it loads again this week, but a lot of my working week has been sitting staring at the computer screen what waiting for people to back it <laughs> which they have thankfully so thank you very much for that but one thing that is new yeah. that we have mentioned that i will mention is we announced our stretch goals mm. and we were waiting to yeah. see how we did on day one uh so we knew where to kind of pitch the stretch goals because i mean it's always so hard to know like wait
0: wait 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 there are stretch goals
2: yeah we added some uh, stretch that, goals that's
0: that that that's wild like you and we, we never normally see this from ian publishing
2: Good I know. Thought. Well, 90, welcome.
0: $91,000. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice one.
2: Thank you. Well, yeah. Um, I, well, I think this book is really great, so I'm so glad that other people are looking yes. at it anyway. But anyway, we have, mm. we've added some stretch goals, so I will just briefly mention them. The reason we don't normally do stretch goals is because we don't want to delay mm. the book being made. So these yeah. stretch goals aren't actually in the book. They're like a digital oh. accessory thing that we're doing. Yeah. So what we're proposing to make is a random dungeon generator, which will be using the node system and will be an online tool. Um, So pretty something we'll put onto a5e.tools. And yeah, so pretty much it'll use the node system and generate a little dungeon for you with a map uh, using all the different elements. Mm. So it'll just randomly kind of create something for you there to look at. um, And we'll do that if we get to 100,000 great British pounds. Yeah, we'll create that. Uh, we've kind of got the, the quote for it and the time frame. We, we should be able to get it out by the time the physical hardcovers are out, which we're saying mm-hmm. should be March next year. So we should be able to do that. Um, okay. So we've kind of got the quote and the time frame for it. We just need to like pay for it. And if we get to 100,000, it makes sense due to economies of scale uh, to do mm. that. Uh, and when we hit the first one, we've got the Bastion design, which is a certain mm. style of kind of dungeon
0: yeah it's one of the eight different sorts of style that exactly this last week. and yeah.
2: then we will unlock the eight other eight ones as we go through the other stretch goal
0: right 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 okay but yeah the
2: first one is if we get to 100k uh we will hmm. we will do that uh so i think that's really cool yes. it's a nice quick online tool because because obviously the node system that we talked about you can do that from the book um but if yes. you're feeling I don't, mean, I don't want to say very lazy. Or lazy. I was about to say very lazy, but that felt not I... But yeah, it's a way to generate oh, lazy. I'm dungeons. All about
0: laziness. Make my life more convenient. Eight Advanced Fifth Edition.
2: Exactly. And
0: um, basically, that's what it does. Because I I have a game going on, and normally I wouldn't have capacity mm-hmm. to think about other stuff. I'm actually, yeah. you know what? I'm a bit bored. I'd quite like to run another game. Mm-hmm. And the reason I have this spare capacity is because it's so. Easy to run stuff in the Advanced best Edition. That's solely the reason why I enjoy it so much. Cause...
2: So that's the Dungeons Guide. I'm going to stop talking about it because I don't want to spend the whole time plugging yeah, in my Kickstarter. Yeah. But if it is of interest <laughs> to you, please do I'm go too and back about it. it. Though. Oh. Yes. But yeah, no. but there is another Kickstarter I wanted to talk about. It's not my own. Uh, what? I know. It is D and D Five E or Pathfinder Second Edition. Uh, so not hugely yeah. indie, but I really like the concept of it. Uh, it's called Graveyard of the Gods. And so it's kind of like an adventure anthology and it's in a specific place where there's loads of corpses of old gods and you're traveling through... Uh, there and there's loads of enormous beings and the remains they leave behind which can sometimes be their bodies or sometimes it's like Mm. weird magical energy things or stuff like that but I just this sounds
0: high level I'm excited
2: it does seem interesting doesn't it and it's it's for 5e or Pathfinder 2nd edition so I imagine easily easily spot it into level up advanced 5th edition as well (laughs) um, is what I was thinking it for for me yes but yeah, so it's not like a mm. classic dungeon crawl. It's something a bit different. And I just personally mm. really like, I'm intrigued by the idea of myth and gods and all those things in games. I enjoy kind of exploring mm. that because I think mm. it's very interesting. Um, yes. And especially when you have very old gods who are no longer worshipped and known about and have Mm. moved away into, you know, basically like Neil Gaiman's American Mm. God style sort of things Mm. as well. (laughs) But yeah, so the setting just seemed really interesting to me. So it's called Graveyard of the Gods. It's on, um, where is it on? It's on Kickstarter or which plot? It
0: seems likely to be on Kickstarter. It is on Kickstarter, yeah. I was just checking.
2: But yeah. Mm. um, And if you want to read more about it on EM World, we're actually doing an interview with uh, Matthew Hansen. Uh, the creator, which will be on EN Worlds on the 6th of September next week. So if you want to read about yeah. it in more detail, instead of just my rambling excitingness,
0: oh, it it'll be on EN Worlds. It has funded already? It
2: has funded already, um, and it's going to end on, it's called it's 15th of September, so there's oh, a few okay. weeks left to go. So there's a bit of time left on it, but... Oh,
0: it's an adventure anthology as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Ah, oh, amazing. Ah, oh, that's William Fisher, Jay Africa. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So it's like a... What's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, six four, five, six. Six different... Oh, no. Seven, eight, nine. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. As I hit stretch goals. Oh, wow. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, sorry. I'm just so excited because it's like a... I, I thought it was very cool the way you were describing. Oh, okay. Sorry, it's the one of those exciting parts podcasts where I... Look at stuff and make it exciting. No,
2: it's great, it's great. But yeah, so um when they get to twelve thousand dollars they're gonna do like virtual tabletop stuff, which I think they're at now. Uh but yeah, yeah. they've got loads of cool um stretch goals and new adventures it, going in. So it looks
0: Yeah. It looks like you could already take this from like level four to level fourteen, quite happily, just playing through these various uh, things. And yeah, there's a lot of things which I expect mm-hmm. as a tradition will be drag and drop. Yeah, oh, very exciting.
2: <laughs> yeah, it looks good, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've just, I just got the bit at the end where like, some of these are Viking reenactor. they got them with their actual like, sword and shield. And yes. they were used as a model for some of the art. I thought that was very cute. Oh.
2: You can also yeah. pledge to have your likeness be used in the art, which is what that's for. Oh, um, nice. So it's, it's like $200 and you can be part of the art. So
0: Amazing. if you
2: want to see yourself as... I don't know, a barbarian. Demortalised
0: in a role-playing game book.
2: Woo. But yeah. Or I guess instead of it being like you, you could also ask it to be like your character.
0: That could be exciting.
2: Anyway, that's live on. So I thought that was that interesting, ends. so I wanted to highlight that. Hmm. Okay, cool. Hmm. And that is the news. We did a great job without Russ. Well done, us. Woo.
0: Thanks for running another awesome campaign. That was an final battle.
2: Oh, you're welcome. I'm actually um playing a new game if you'd be interested.
0: Ah, oh, yes, absolutely. What will we be playing? Curse of Strahd? Tomb of Annihilation?
2: Um, well, I was actually thinking of trying a different system this time.
0: Oh, so we won't be playing Barrows and Bear Owls?
2: Uh, no, I was, I was thinking of maybe that Call of Cthulhu.
0: Okay, can, can't we just play that with Barrows and Bear Owls rules?
2: Well, I just thought you know the Call of Cthulhu system would be better suited.
0: Yeah, yeah, but wouldn't it just be easier to just play it with the Barrels and Barrels rules?
2: Oh, it's not much more complicated, and um, you know we can do a character gen together all together in session zero.
0: Yeah, but I don't want to learn a new system.
2: Oh no, I'm I'm happy to talk you through it. I've yeah, I've even got a spare copy of the rulebook you can just have.
0: Um, can't can't you just do like a hack of Barrels and Barrels for the game? A hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just change up the Barrels and Barrels rules a little bit, just a little bit, to make it work with the Cthulhu setting. Uh,
2: well, I guess I could give it a go.
0: Perfect.
2: Okay, well, I guess first of all, change the ability scores. Maybe add a uh, size and education to the list of abilities, you know? Change the wisdom to willpower, charisma to appearance...
0: Okay, yeah, a bit of reskilling sounds reasonable, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, and as it's Cthulhu, you know, we'd need to track sanity in addition, you know, to hit points and things.
0: Yeah, great point, makes sense, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I've also got these great new percentile dice that I've not had the chance to Mm. use yet, so maybe we can make skill rolls using a D100 instead of, you know, a D20.
0: Oh, I do love an excuse to buy new dice, But, but won't the maths be more tricky with a D100?
2: You know what, you're right. So so how about, instead of adding up the dice rolls, you know, you just have hmm. to roll equal or less than your skill value, you know, using 1d100. D1, oh,
0: um, I guess that might be easier.
2: You know, also thinking about it, I'd like to change the list of skills, you know, add a few more so it fits the setting better.
0: Oh, yeah, that's probably good idea. Uh, how how many were you thinking of? Could you write down the list of new skills so I can read them? Oh,
2: yeah, of course. Do you know what? Actually, I've already got it already. Plus a summary of all the other changes we've already talked about.
0: Oh, wow, thanks. Wait, wait a minute. You just had to be the Call of Kofunu Rootwork.
2: Yes. Yes, I have.
1: Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now?
2: So, for the topic of the week, we are going to talk about art in tabletop mm. art. So the pretty, pretty pictures and covers. And maybe like that will lean into graphic design as well because I think they they can go hand-in-hand mm. hand with layout and stuff in yeah, RPGs. Yeah. But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because um, online there's loads, if you've seen these AI-generated artwork pieces, you can get now. So there's loads Ooh. of bots and things where you type in some keywords, and then yeah. the computer uh, will create an image for you based off those keywords. words. Um, so it's kind yeah. of royalty-free, so it's a way you can... And people are using this to generate um, kind of settings or character art for their games. And that sparked an interesting conversation around that. Um, and Ooh. I was going to have that here publicly on the internet.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Peter, discuss. It's,
0: it, oh, <laughs> Uh, where to start? It's a big and potentially revolutionary topic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's like some artists who've been following it and they are shocked and, uh, very upset in many ways mm-hmm. because like this, this art that we're talking about, it, it's not remarkable. It's not yeah. beauty inspiring. It doesn't make you go, it doesn't, it doesn't like speak to me on like a really deep level and make me reflect upon. Mm-hmm. I don't have a really strong emotional connection to it. Yeah. But what I do have is look at it and think, oh, that's a nice piece of art. That's, that's very flavorful. Yeah. I could see that adding to a game
2: mm-hmm.
0: or being in a RPG manual very, very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've only really noticed it because people tell me this is what a computer's done. If someone told me a person that, it, it'd be like, yeah, okay, it's not remarkable, but it's like it's this sort of this filler art does fill a fairly important role, yeah, uh, especially in the world of RPG books. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so this is this is quite quite a big deal, uh, yeah. Being able to have essentially a lot of artists feeling that in the in less than the lifetime of a mobile phone they've a mobile phone generation they essentially had almost a lot of their skills replicated Mm -hmm. and there's i I don't really understand how it does it a lot of people are saying it's basically done like with a 3d blender and it just like mixes and matches more stuff yeah i don't understand how this works so that is a problem yeah but i can see the output Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: that is quite impressive i mean what's what's your take on it uh how, how do you feel about it
2: so what I think about it is I I think for people using it for games uh their own games at home for personal use I think that's kind of fine. I you know I think because if you just if you don't want to be like stealing other artists work and not crediting mm-hmm. them which isn't a great thing to do, you know, then I I kind of think that's okay. I mean it is problematic slightly for artists that perhaps make their money by doing character art or, or selling things like that. Cuz I think that for me the main crux of the issue is are we just automating a human process and are we going to Undercut artists and creative people that work in that industry. Yeah. Are we because it's already a really difficult industry to work in? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very difficult to 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 make yeah. money that way. And is this just going to make it worse? Because pe- will it make people go, oh, why would I pay a person to do this when I can just do this for free and it's fine? So, and I don't think we're at the point with it. Like you say, that it's it's not better than something a human could do. Like what a human's going to create is always going to be better. But as technology grows, yeah. is that going to stay the same?
0: I I think maybe we should look at, because we are a role-playing game news podcast Mm -hmm. focusing for RPG professionals, we should definitely look at how it affects the RPG space. And on one hand, it's like, it's amazing for RPG designers Mm -hmm. because the thing that holds back a lot of uh, small outfits, like, of which 99.99999% is... RPG designers are like one person just hacking out their stuff. Yeah. So like actually not having to pay for art, sounds kind of like an amazing deal. Yeah. But on the other hand, this whole ancillary industry of artists mm-hmm. are like, well, okay, the there is still work for them because these these images are not perfect. Yeah. Like I think there's going to be a new development where people will be finding the right keywords to evoke the sort of art that people want and that's mm. going to become sort of a semi-skilled profession but i will take a punt and say that the feedback loops are such that that sort of person is going to require a lot less intensive training a yeah. lot less time and effort to be able to produce things that, to produce a matching quality mm. than someone who's uh like using old-fashioned methods and old-fashioned like or just like traditional art methods yeah. of actually creating things or even Digital artists. Yeah. So that is a big problem. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is drive Through one bookshelf, the drive-thru RPG people, they have produced, they've put actually, uh, a little note up that anyone who uses this AI art, and there's another program which essentially has a lot of presets to apply Photoshop filters to art. Okay. I can't remember its name, sorry. But they put up a notice that those... Um, Products containing artwork from those sources will need to have a disclaimer on it saying that they do, and if you okay. don't, then you'll get banned. So that is that is a very interesting term of events.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it is crediting where it comes from. Which you know, if you had art from artists, you'd probably want to credit that somewhere. So I was I was wondering well, if you're going to say they had banned it, and that would have been a real a real thing. But
0: well, I I don't know what the thinking is behind here. It does feel like... It's a very strange thing to do. I obviously don't work for One Bookshelf. I do not speak to One Bookshelf on the regular and certainly don't have too much information about it. But we've got this this new ruling which says you must have this information about your product included on your product so people can see it. This disclaimer, Mm -hmm. or your product will be removed. And that to me, it feels like they're sending a very definite message that they want to draw a clear line yeah. between products between products which use traditional art mm-hmm. and people which use this AI art. And what they're going to do with this, we just don't know. Um, certainly, it affects things like pricing, dramatically. Like, yeah. And, and this is the thing. Like, If you want to produce some things which have already have art out there, uh, this is fine, right? But for me, I want to produce stuff which people have not seen. Yeah. Um. I will I'm. I'm doing stuff, so I have to get custom art in, which is very expensive. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's totally worth it because then I get to do, like, do cool do stuff.
2: Exactly. Just balancing,
0: pitch. Balancing. Yeah. Balancing.
2: It's. Yeah. It's tricky. I mean, from a publisher perspective, like saying, uh Ian mm-hmm. uh, Publishing, luckily we're. At, you know, we're at the size now hmm. that we can. We have a budget for art on our games that we yeah, can put right. aside. X thousand, you know, dollars to to spend mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. art. And so we can pay artists set rates and things like that. So we can do stuff like that. But I completely appreciate mm. that if you're, if you're at the other end of the scale, and like you say, like the majority of people, it's, it's one person mm. creating this thing. You don't have an unlimited budget to spend on stuff. No. I, can, I can see why that would be a really tempting thing to do. And Mm-mm. yeah, I don't know. It's tricky because I find it, mm. I completely empathize with that situation because there's so, when you start publishing uh, a book, you realize mm. all of this stuff that you have to organise and pay for. And it just feels like you're constantly paying for stuff. You're like, oh, now now this person needs a bit. Oh, now I need to do this. And it just, it seems yeah. to, to kind of just escalate. So I can understand why that comes yeah. in. And the art does look quite cool. Some of it's really stylized, mm. And mm. it's almost like a, a weird kind of trippy dream in a way. Yeah, which, d- yeah. depending on what mm. your game setting is, could really work, actually.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, 100%. And if you can do a bit of... T- it's not mm. so great at doing eyes, but mm-hmm. if you are prepared to do a bit of fiddling and you've got the capability to do touch-up jobs, it can look amazing. It, it's it's uh, a yeah. It's um. I don't. I really don't know what to not say about it because it's it's just such a game changer.
2: Yeah, I was in. I'm in a group of designers, and somebody actually. This this is more for board games. Somebody had put this question. And they're literally been like so. I'm thinking they're, they're talking about using mid-journey AI and they've got some images they're considering you know, using for their game yeah. and they're like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, Is this, is this an okay thing to do? And it's really mm. interesting. So this was a group of designers and the, the feedback ranged in there from people saying, do you know what? As long as it looks good, I don't really care what it's from. As long as you credit it, I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then some things, some people say, like you said, I don't know where the AI is getting the art from. So I'm not sure how ethical it is. Like, are they just going along the internet and skimming the art and changing it enough so it's not copyright? Ugh. Which is, you know, and that's true. Like, I don't know how they generate it either. So I don't know if it goes yeah. like that. Yeah. And then there have been people that are coming in and saying exactly what we said about what is this going to do for the art business?
0: Yeah. I... You know,
2: like how is, is this? And also if, if everybody uses that, it's going to mean there's less creativity and diversity. It's the same. It becomes like a monopoly Ugh. issue then yeah, because yeah, at the yeah. moment if you look at different rpgs you have so many different art styles you know that comes out and that makes make variety you know makes things great but if everyone's using this it's gonna have that same vibe which it will make
0: things feel very same yeah very yeah
2: and yeah. i don't know if we kind of want that um yeah so yeah. those are kind of the different comments and i think because it's so new we don't really have
0: I, I mean the thing is you have to look at the prices yeah. for some of this stuff like fairly small and complicated drawings Costs about $40 a go. Like, you know, 20 to $40. And, like, you know, you've got a very nice piece of art, but on the other hand, you've got to look at the maths of producing an RPG book to the expected standards nowadays, which is that you've got to have a cover. It's preferably got to be full colour. Yeah. You've got to have, uh, what, one piece of art every... Uh, like, a quarter-page piece of art every four pages, a um, half every eight pages, then hopefully... Like a a a, a full, <laughs> a full piece. Every has a dividing line. It's yeah.
2: But having said that, I think sometimes with some styles of books, you can lean on graphic design opposed to having art. So if you think of, I'm thinking, is it mm-hmm. Dread, the RPG? Mm-hmm. I don't think that has any art in. Like the color, it's got no. the bloody handprint on the front, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And the rest is all kind of done through like kind of layout. And there's not, it's not in pictures in, um, it, is there?
0: I I. Ooh, it's been a while since I've looked I got, through no, it. I looked
2: through.
0: There, you are. you've got you you've got so. some simplistic like line art,
2: yeah, which which is which is fine. But then bear in mind what I'm worried about if we have this AI thing. I've got my copy here. Huh. Sorry, just in of into the odd. Okay, and okay. the art in this is so gorgeous hmm. that I would like look at that. This is not helpful mm. for the podcast format, but
0: uh, Jessica's holding up a book and it shows a. Niagara Falls style waterfall, which has a absolute meteor storm, like the full mm-hmm. Perseids plus of shooting stars coming down over the top of it. Yeah,
2: uh so It's a it's,
0: uh, it's very pretty. It's
2: into the into the odd, um and the graphic yes. design and art was by uh Johan Noor. If I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um but if I don't want to lose art like this, so I hope it doesn't dent the industry to the point where things like that, that do not get made. And then also hmm. Even if it doesn't, I hope it doesn't create a segregation in the industry where exactly what you talked about the drive through RPGs doing. They're like, oh, well, they have these mm. ones that have the AI art, and then you've got the proper RPGs with the actual art over here. Because it could create this kind of, do you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's got it's got the potential for a lot of problems.
2: But looking at some of this AI image generation, as a consumer, I'm not sure some of it I would realise it had been done that way.
0: Oh, absolutely not. I'm seeing yeah. lots of pictures. And if I saw it on stock art, I would just be like, thank you.
2: Yeah.
0: Who that strike up? Because I really like it. I find it very appealing. Yeah. it's, it's a, I find a lot of it quite beautiful in some places. Mm-hmm. And it does a wide range of styles. There's like an absolutely... uh I have a friend who's working on doing a lot of it because he's got a passion project of a setting that he would like to bring out into the world. Mm-hmm. But as a one person, relatively unknown, he is working with a budget of a shoestring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this sort of thing, which for his setting, which is very otherworldly, got a lot of like emphasis on not being able to tell the real, the the real, not being able to tell reality from fantasy, and yeah, like the borders and the interstitial spaces in between, mm. the sort of the vague otherworldly quality that this art brings, and yeah, is really good. And I'm looking through his Discord where has been posted so something. Got some bangers. They're really, they're really nice, mm. um, and it's just covering such a range of styles, from almost like a like vaguely impressionist to near photorealistic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's incredible. Not too, too far apart from it. <laughs> Uh I mean, what have you been looking at that uh, caught your eye? Was it just the uh, board game design, or have you seen more stuff elsewhere? Um,
2: I've seen it just generally on like Twitter and stuff. Loads of people being like, "Oh, my character, I've done this," or so we're making some monsters and I'm using it. So I'm just seeing it around. And also, I think hmm. maybe was it on uh, the EN World Discord as well? Um, maybe oh, some somewhere on Discord, some people were sharing stuff. It might have been that one as well. But yeah, I'm just, I think it's interesting, and I think it might be something that changes the industry a fair bit, almost in. Maybe not in the same way. You know how crowdfunding changed the RPG industry a lot.
0: Mm, mm, I'm wondering yeah. if
2: this will have a similar level of impact.
0: It's it's definitely going to have an impact outside of the RPG space, mm-hmm. specifically in things like self publishing, has self published books, uh, which is where the RPG industry was some time ago, and before, like you know, one bookshelf. Unleashed a wave of RPGs upon the world which would otherwise never been able to get there. But like Amazon has a lot of self published authors, yeah. And finding finding art for your cover because even a book which you do not expect to have a cover still needs a lot of art to go yeah. uh, like a cover art, and that can be that can set you like 800 1200 mm-hmm. or you can attempt to do your own, and they often do not look good. And, good, yeah. and people do judge a book by its cover,
2: yeah, they do, they do, yeah, yeah. And I think people expect indie tabletop RPG companies to have the same quality level as, Wiz- as Wizards of the Coast.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's indeed completely fair. You've got Hasbro; mm-hmm. they sell, they they pay pennies per player's handbook, literal pennies, because they have such fast economies of scale. Yeah. Um, all, all artists across the world begging to work for them, just because of the because of the exposure, yeah, as well as the actual money. Mm-hmm. And then you've got. Uh, Jane Briggs, who quite would quite like to do an RPG, but can't afford that sort of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can buy stock art on Drive for RPG. It's not impossible. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's tricky.
2: I just think it's an interesting conversation. It's something I'm going to keep an eye on. And yeah, I'm I'm curious as to what like the public <laughs> think would think mm. of as consumers yeah. of um, this AI kind of generated art in the RPG books. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if. People have strong opinions of it, or they or they don't care. Yeah. I wonder if I only care because I'm in the industry and I'm looking around at it.
0: Yeah, I, I suspect it's going to be one of those things which, for a lot of consumers, it's going, they're going to be largely indifferent to it. Because yeah. as far well as they're concerned, they're getting quality art, and it's looking good. Um,
2: the I for, don't care how it's made angle, yeah.
0: Oh, well, I don't have to think about how it's made, unless people yeah. do, make, do something to make me think about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it looks like a massive change. I think there's certainly something to be said for... I did see quite an interesting Twitter thread uh, mm-hmm. by a user who's, whose name I sadly did not think to recall, which uh, suggested that quite a lot of artists are also quite interested in role-playing game design. Mm-hmm. So if you want to work uh, with someone who is an artist, uh, get them in at an earlier stage so you can you integrate the, uh, the nature of the art at an earlier stage. I yeah. think that sounds like a fantastic plan. Uh, because... Working on something that you're expecting to get paid for. I mean, that's very much what I would like to do. I'd like to be able to work with an artist Mm -hmm. and produce something for advanced first edition, which would satisfy my needs to have something mechanically elegant, but also satisfy the artistic values of just producing some amazing kick ass stuff because Mm -hmm. I'm all about designing for emotional experience, and it is one thing that proper like human generated art can do is that is it can really speak to the human condition yeah yeah but that's it's it's it is a game changer mm. and yeah Ooh, makes you wonder
2: well i think that's all i have to say about that how about you peter
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh give, give give me a give me a minute i'm sure i can come up with something more to say okay. but uh yeah it's a, it's certainly an interesting state of hers
2: well i think that brings us to the end of the podcast without russ we didn't set anything yeah. on fire. EN World and EN Publishing are still standing. So, job.
0: Well, give it a couple of minutes. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you today, Jessica.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah. We'll let Russ come back next week, shall mm,
0: we? good to have to.
1: Apparently, I now have to read this to you. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out
0: of here.
2: We'll let Russ come back next week, shall we?
0: We uh, do have to. Okay. He okay. has
2: the password to get in.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> he does have, he does have the passwords, it's bad. <laughs> Alright.